Oh, look, I, I really hope we are still doing it in 10 years' time. Um, and I, I guess the overarching hope, and who cares about the details, but is that people through seeing um, our shows would grow personally. They might be affected um, to and, and their views broaden. I, I really hope that our shows grow empathy in people, um, that that respectful discussions can be had where you where it's encouraged that you truly listen without agenda. Um, so that's what I that's kind of what my overarching hope is that that our stuff would really do that that people would be changed um, and enriched by seeing the stories that we tell welcome to the redemptive changemakers podcast with your host john beckett welcome this episode we get a real insight into the power of story to challenge the way we think about the world and to change the way we live in the world you have the privilege of listening to my conversation with Haley and Yannick who are the two directors of Clock and Spiel a theatre company that is trying to do daring works that really come from the foundation of the Christian story uh, and I guess present a different perspective, uh, challenge people to think about the world in which they live and to think about how they live in that world in ways that are really beneficial and redemptive for that world. Uh, I had the privilege of working with Haley and Yannick a couple of years ago in our incubator program and I can tell you from experience that they are talented and courageous and very humble people with a deep love of Jesus and you are going to love and enjoy listening to the story of Clock and Spiel and their personal stories as well. So good to um, be here chatting with you today. Um, real delight for me because, you know, we go back a few years now and uh, I've really kind of followed what you're both doing and the work of Clock and Spill, which we'll talk a whole bunch about um, uh, today as well. Followed that with interest over those years and um, just really think that your story is going to be really valuable to the people that are listening to the podcast and wanting to be... Um, thinking about how they can be agents for redemptive change where they are as well. But I'd love to start just by, oh, first, just to say, uh, we have to say this, we've been talking about it before we started recording, but we're a bit nervous today, Yannick, because we think you have the best voice that any of us know, the best in the business, and you're an expert at this stuff. So we're going to have a reflection time at the end of this podcast where you give us tips on how, how we go. Absolutely, yeah. So wait to hear this man's voice. So Wouldn't it be good if we... you spoke in a really high-pitched voice now? <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> and also a little bit nervous about having you here as well, Hayley. Oh, Different reasons. I'm not sure what they are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would love to look. As I said, we're going to talk about Clock and Spill, this amazing theatre company that you both run. Um, but we'd love to dig f first back into a little bit of the history of how how you got to where you are today. So um, maybe we can start with you, Yannick. And um, when people hear you start speaking, they'll realise not originally from this place, from Australia, where we are now. So I'd love to hear, maybe not right back, but tell us the story about, uh, I, I read as I, I didn't know this about you, but you've done a law degree in the past and then somehow made your way into this creative space. Tell us a bit about that story and how you got here. Yeah, that is going back about... 25 years now uh so uh pricey version then uh so yeah i trained as a lawyer in the uk uh decided uh at a fairly early stage that i didn't really want to pursue that as uh, a career i just did it because i couldn't think of anything else to do i'd really wanted to go to drama school but my parents who were both fairly academically minded didn't really think that was the best use of uh my time and my skills Thankfully, though, my grandmother thought that it was a great idea, so she helped finance uh, my drama school um, back in 2002 to 2004. And um, 
And then after that, I worked kind of relatively prolifically as, a, as an actor in the UK uh, until my agent went bust with oh, a lot of money really? that they owed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I then kind of, you know, licked my wounds and, and was working in radio, which had been a career that I'd had uh, alongside my, my acting career for a little while as an announcer and also as a as a producer. Um, then I came to Australia, originally just for six months. Um, that was around the time of the uh, global financial crisis and a job that I was going to return to the UK for um, disappeared. So I decided I'd see if I could stay in Australia, where I worked as a radio producer for a number of years. And then yet again, I was like, why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. <laughs> I want to be an actor. <laughs> that was my first love. And um, uh, I got made redundant from uh, a job that I've been doing in radio for a number of years. Uh, And that seemed like the perfect God-given opportunity for me to take a bit of time out, um, use sort of my redundancy settlement to set up um, my uh, studio. So I I had a little studio which I used to do my own voiceover work, which is, I guess, kind of the backbone of what was able to support me financially. And then through, uh, through sort of a year of pretty much saying yes to any acting opportunity that came through, mm-hmm. I um, managed to sort of piece together some great contacts, uh, including at the end of that year of saying pretty much yes to any opportunity that came through, within reason, of course, um, I met Hayley um, doing, and this was towards the end of that year, doing a production of a show called The God of Carnage by Yasmina Reza. And we found out that we both shared a faith. Uh, We had a very similar work ethic and we had similar interests in terms of the kind of work, you know, which really asked the big existential questions of life that we liked to see performed. And then Clock and Spiel was born for a big old tour of the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And that was now five years ago. Yeah, wow. Five years you've been going. All right. Well, can we? Well, a couple of things I want to come back to there. I want to hear a bit more about your grandma and <laughs> always, uh, God always works through a good redundancy as well. So, but I'd love to a little bit of your story of getting to that same point, Hayley. Yeah. Well, I um, I grew up on the south coast of New South Wales, so Nowra or Nowra, as <laughs> it's more colloquially known. Um, and so, yeah, I went to, to school there and theatre and acting um, and performance, I think, was just something that I always wanted to do. Um, and I really even searched so many times to find something else that I would like to do, just because I knew, you know, acting and performance and theatre was an industry that was incredibly difficult to kind of make a career out of. And so no matter how hard I tried, I didn't really want to do anything else. I don't. I I go down the South Coast a couple of times every year. I love it down there. Yeah. Go through now yeah. every time. And it doesn't strike me as the bastion of the performer. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. Um, yeah, so it, it's not really the place, um, yeah, where stars are born, I don't think. Um, <laughs> harsh. Uh, very harsh. Uh, no. Um, so I moved to Sydney when I was 17, had finished high school, and I went up to do my acting degree at Wesley Institute, which is now Excelsior College. Um, and so that was just a wonderful time of just, you know, um, really moving from the country into a big city. And I, I grew so much as a, a young person. and. Mm. Um, and I just loved studying acting and um, yeah so it I, it certainly just grew my passion for it and um, yeah really really just honed some of those skills and yeah so I loved that time and then I've not really done anything else since so I've I became a high school teacher um, after I got my degree um, high school drama and English and um, I did that for a couple of years, but really, really just wanted to, you know, um, work in the industry. So I've kind of had a, I guess what you could call a portfolio career. So I've often dipped in and out of stuff that pays <laughs> rather than, uh, you know, just uh, the creative stuff that often doesn't pay or doesn't pay very well. Um, so 
um, yeah, still teaching at Excelsior College now. So I have taught theatre history and acting and uh, drama pedagogy. And some, at the moment, I'm overseeing the producing stream of their courses there. So, yeah, still still love that element. But then, of course, um, the 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 main thing is is clock and spiel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Got some party going on outside. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> it's our renter crowd. Yeah. It's our fans. Yeah. <laughs> Got some bit of work to do on the production, on the editing side here. Um, uh, I'm I'm fascinated then to, uh, I mean, one of the things that we're really interested in through the podcast is just to help people who are maybe you know really keen on making a difference in the world. And particularly um, when that comes out of a, a place of faith, um, to understand that you know well, there are so many ways that we can do that, and really, where's God placed you, and where can you you kind of bring your faith alive there, and do something that has meaning and purpose, and and make a difference where you are. For each of you, as you as your faith developed, what's been your take on the place of you know? You, your passion for creativity and particularly for theatre and as an expression of your faith. How have you found a sense of purpose in what you've done? Yeah, I think, oh, can I, is it okay? Yeah, of course. I think um, it's developed over time um, and, look, I think as soon as I kind of realised there was a sweet spot between kind of up, this is not my material. This is a, something I learned from a pastor. But um, he, he talked about the sweet spot between your affinity, so what you love to do, what you're passionate about, your ability, so what your skills are and where your training is, and opportunity. And so, and you know, what's in front of you right now? What are the opportunities that are present now? Yeah, sure. And when I really examined that, um, with my faith in mind and so that it wasn't two separate things. Acting, theatre making was not separate to faith mm. and I found that sweet spot of affinity, ability and opportunity. I think that's when I really, I guess, married faith and theatre and, yeah, and, sure. and had it then um, have it inform each other. So the creativity and the faith can then speak together and not in a way that is um, with an agenda, like not to prophetise. Um, I think our style of theatre really is to open com conversations and respectful discussion and grow empathy. Um, so, yeah, I think that when I kind of really examined all of those elements, I think that was a real pivotal moment for yeah, me where, sure. where those things met do you remember a, do you remember a time before that like when, yeah. I, when I ask you the question like for me when people talk about that I have this kind of visceral deep reaction when I when I remember a time when it was really disconnected yes and how frustrating I found that do you do you have those feelings definitely I mean the 10 years after drama school was pretty much that like yeah. you know where you going for auditions and none of this is there's nothing wrong with any of this but um you know going for woolies auditions or car insurance auditions mm. and big w auditions where you're like pretending to pluck a toaster out of the sky while skydiving <laughs> you know there's not a lot of soul in that stuff and and so as soon as i could shift what i thought success looked like yeah in this industry and i kind of put that that stuff aside and went well what what's in my hand what am i good at what do i love and what do i and how does faith feed into that then that influenced what i did what jobs i would go for what theater i produced what stories i'd tell um so, yeah, it's certainly like the shift was, you know, night and day really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and am I right, Annie, for you the faith story starts a bit later in life? 
well, maybe goes back to earlier in life, but comes back. Yeah, that's right. I I um uh, I I was brought up as a Christian, and then sort of because of a bit of a family crisis, sort of the whole family walked away from faith when I was in my early to no mid to late teens, um, and then uh, I. God sort of brought me back, uh, sort of quite quite forcibly, really, about uh, eight years ago, uh, into an understanding of the gospel and also sort of the church family that He placed me in, in Redfern, in South Sydney, where I live. And um, yeah, I, I was reflecting on 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 Haley's answer and 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 you also talking about sort of a, a moment when you sort of felt the frustration and then understood the release. I think for me, it's been more of a kind of onion peeling type yeah, thing, well. where where. You know, there, there there are times where I I feel, well, what has any of this got to do with God's purpose in the world? You know, um, you know, Haley and I will often sort of say, well, you know, what we're doing isn't sort of, you know, life saving surgery, and it's certainly not rocket science. But this podcast we're recording today, kind of um, at the 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 morning after the huge lunar eclipse um, that was visible in Sydney. And as I sat and I watched that, um, I was thinking, you know, God's work in creation um, was not only important because it kind of fundamentally gave human beings the pinnacle of his creation, uh, all of the mathematically functional opportunities for life and flourishing um, in a physical way, but it's absolutely imbued with great beauty as I, I watched kind of the two hour I mean not constantly I sort of watched it in moments whilst I was cooking dinner and other stuff like that but watched kind of the um uh, the, the shadow of the earth pass across the moon I was just struck by how incredibly beautiful beautiful it is and it doesn't need to be it could be many more times less beautiful and it would still be hmm really functional um and i think there's a sense whereby for us i think our, our like for, for i can't speak for Haley, but for me there's been a, a, often a push and pull and like i say it's sort of the layering of the onion of kind of going okay so i'm in control of where you know clock and spiel is going or i'm co in, co in control of where clock and spiel is going so i need to do this and god will quite often sort of and show that his plans are slightly different, slightly other. Mm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of force a dependence on on him for the outworking of the plan. It doesn't mean that we work any less hard, um, but that's been one aspect of, of the journey of learning. And then the other has been sort of, you know, when it's been kind of the, the battle for glory. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's kind of us as a theatre company, I want to be seen to be doing good work. Well, for whose benefit? For God's benefit or for our benefit? Mm. And for me as an actor as well, you know, want to be seen to be doing good, good work, of course. But, but for clock and spiel and therefore God's benefit or for mine and that's been sort of like the layering and the battle I think mm. that has been there but God has been faithful and kind of kept us you know walking on that knife edge you know sometimes falling on one side sometimes on the other um, and um, you know it's been incredibly kind in that journey as we sort of like discover what his purposes for us are. Mm. So it's an interesting I guess it's a challenge for for you two um, as I think about that right because particularly in terms of the Christian faith, when you reflect on the idea of purpose and God's purpose, um, one of the key things that people think about and engage with is, well, who, who is it you serve? And for both of you, which I love, there's, but there's this sense in your story of a real deep, um, this is what I love to do and I shouldn't be ashamed of what I love to do. And I don't think, I think you would say this, but I, I'll say it for you. I don't think you, God wants you to be ashamed of you doing something that you love to do, right? Um, so that's a beautiful thing. But I think sometimes the arts, theatre can can be perceived as being a little bit self-serving as well. And, and, and the audience, right, uh, yeah, as you say, they're not dying. They're not on a operating table. Like it's, it can be a, a non-essential thing, right? How I guess how have you reconciled? How do you how do you see uh, what you do as an expression of serving people? I, <clears throat> an expression of serving people. Well, I I think so. The 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 story in in the Old Testament that 
probably speaks to that from, from where we're at is that God is very clear to Solomon about how he wants his temple built. And he could have said to Solomon, it doesn't really matter, you know, build it out of any materials that you find, whatever size that you want, because actually the money will be better spent on, you know, fighting these causes of social justice. But God doesn't say that. He gives very precise measurements. He gives uh, a sense of the opulence and craftsmanship and beauty um, and a, a sense of sort of sacredness that needs mm. to be, um, the, yeah, not only the underpinning, but the, but the realisation of, of that. Um, so there's a diligence and an attention to detail um, uh, a love of creativity and craftsmanship um, in terms of what God commands and ordains for his temple um, that still does not come anywhere close to reflecting his magnificence and majesty. It is an earthly mm. representation which will uh, uh, give a place uh, and yeah, an environment within which his people can can worship mm. and commune with him. So now I'm not comparing what we do as clock and spiel to kind of God's <laughs> temple, but I'm just saying that I think in terms of a diligence and an artistry and a using the gifts uh, in a in a faithful way that God has given us um, for His glory as being. Mm as being something that is important in the work that he is doing. And the work that he is doing, um, as I was sort of talking earlier about the lunar eclipse, you know, sometimes the beauty far outweighs really what would even be thought of as being necessary, yeah. mm. but God God uses that. So I think, that, I don't know if that answers yeah, your question. I, but I think it's something that, um, yes, perhaps not essential, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, it enriches, I think, yeah. and adds to and um, I think that theatre is such an, an ancient form really that um, humans have used to communicate, to share, to tell stories, to enrich their yeah. lives and um, <clears throat> not just in an aesthetically pleasing way but enrich in terms of um, developing um, I guess laws, developing people's um, uh, empathy levels, um, developing people, you know, as whole human beings, as complex, you know, um, broadening people's views on um, other people's situations. And so I think, yeah, that, that idea of, of the form really enriching um, our lives is, I mean, I think we wouldn't do it if we didn't see the really core value of it, I mm. think. Well, I first came across um, you, Haley, and therefore both of you, uh, more than, I guess it was about five years ago, really, um, when, and Seed has been going for about, you know, six years now, and it was, you know, six months or 12 months into that journey where we were doing some work with a, a group in the city, and then you, you came and you pitched to try and get some funding for Clock and Spiel, and um, particularly... Uh, for the screw tape uh, tour that you were doing, and yeah, it was the uh, I'll confess it was the first time where I, I went, oh, okay, there's someone that's doing what we want people want to help people do, right? And it was this idea and this theory in our minds of seed, and that, and 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 the heart of what struck me, and I was so excited by what I heard, was that you uh, you were thinking about a sector um, where. As we've been talking about, you you bring your faith to bear on that, and and the sense that the Christian story, all of the beauty of the way of Jesus, brought to bear in a particular cultural setting, in this case theatre, could disrupt some of the narratives and the uh, stories of the prevailing culture and the way things are done in that subculture, right? And and. To me, that's like that's beauty, right? That's what we should be doing if we express the fullness of our faith. Um, part of that is just bringing the way of Jesus to bear on everything that we do. So let's talk a bit about Clock and Spill. I want to come back to that idea of narrative and story because I think that's probably really, uh, 
at the heart of the way that you serve the world and your audiences. But what what is Clock and Spill? Like, where does that come from? What does it mean? The name, you mean? Oh, my gosh. We will never never leave this town. It's probably our worst business decision ever. But it does, look, it... Interestingly, kind of, it's it's a name where kind of now I think there's a, a great justification for it, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, telling telling yeah. stories, telling stories that the, the, the pertinent time to tell a story being now. Uh, so clock and spiel. However, uh, the real the realistic answer is that we needed to set up a company uh, because we had the tour coming up. Uh, neither of us uh, were able to sort of do that through kind of, you know, uh, our own sole trader businesses. So we needed to set up an organization that could uh, carry the weight and responsibility uh, of paying people, booking venues, uh, having public liability, et cetera, et cetera. And we needed a name and we had, I think, about five days to come up with one. So, <laughs> so we made a list of about 100. That seemed kind of good because we sort of felt like it roughly fitted. Yeah, um, it was like, and... oh, it was like a play on glockenspiel just we just went for the chaos theory the confusion theory it just confuses everyone no one knows how to say it so i feel like you know it's like bad brand awareness (laughs) but we've made it work we've made it work no turning back so you say you want to champion stage develop and invest in dramatic works that explore and celebrate life That's from the updated website. Good one. People should go yep. and have a look at that. That's <laughs> true. So tell us, like, unpack that for us. Like, and and maybe thinking back five years to, you know, I don't know if you, um, you've been in the industry a whole bunch, but had you ever actually put on shows, the whole production? How, how did that process go five years, five years ago? And, and, and what was the birth of, of, of that notion that I've just read out? Like yeah. where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, I produced several shows um, previously to to meeting Yannick, um, so um, I had had a, a, a bit of experience in that, um, and yeah, and then when we met, we we I showed him this script that I adapted from C.S. Lewis's The Screw Tape Letters, and then that was kind of the birth of that. So, um, in terms of like our kind of ethos championing, championing, oh my gosh. I can't even say it. Um, you know that celebrate life. Um, I think that's really, you know, we're we're two Christians who run a theatre company, not a Christian theatre company, and so um, I guess we don't want to shy away from all aspects of the human condition, um, all aspects of what it means to to live in this complicated world with people with lots of trauma and different stories and um but we kind of want to celebrate that so we don't want to sugarcoat life um and say hey if you're a christian you know life is really you know dandy and it's rainbows and unicorns so we we want to i guess be really real with the stories we tell but also um hopefully have a sense of hope within mm. those stories. So um, I don't know, Yannick, do you want to speak to that, that yeah, that, that idea of kind of storytelling as, as you know, celebrating life and, and, and that aspect? Yeah, I think, I mean, with, and again, you know, there, there's been work and diligence um, on Hay's part, on my part as well, to, to to find the right scripts. But sometimes these have been things that, you know, really have been presented to us in mm. quite a providential way. Um, so, I mean, again, going back to, to your statement there about uh, the works that we sort of support, invest in, um, put up on stage, we're really keen um, to our, uh, I guess, our sort of vision statement that the that backs all of that up is that we we want to stage invest support uh dramatic uh distinctive works that are culturally daring and by that we mean sort of pushing back against kind of culturally certainly in the theater landscape what people will expect and that are truly human both in the process and the product so um you know the way that we treat the people that work with us 
um, uh, the respect that we give to our audiences who may have very different views on some of the things that we put up and present um, uh, and the forums that we give them to express that through say Q&As or kind of engagement with us um, mm. in a community sense through our socials or even directly um, are, are, are truly human. We really, really value people. So the people that we work with and the people that we present to. Um, in terms of the, the 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 storytelling aspect, I think you know those scripts, like I say, some of which we've chosen and been very kind of like keen to push forwards, and some of which have just been presented to yeah. us, especially in this last pandemic year. You know, a script that we weren't even thinking we would ever kind of put on stage was the one that we managed to put on stage very much at the last minute. Um, tend to be, you know, so I mean, one of uh, so screw tape obviously kind of you know challenged people quite deeply it's a very deeply theological work and you know uh philosophically rich yeah. as well mm. um and some people would see it as quite outmoded but you know um in terms of kind of the language and yeah. you know the, the way of viewing life it's kind of centered around the war uh, but again there i think we kind of in, enabled through kind of Haley's direct directing vision to kind of you know really bring it to life in a kind of more um culturally not culturally relevant or what do i mean kind of like relevant to the time that that, mm. that it was presented in um accessible mm. and then with freud's last session which is an imagined meeting between sigmund freud and c.s lewis coming together with their fiercely opposing views one very secular materialist one, of course, you know, uh, devout Christian whose entire work was flavoured with uh, his Christian faith. Um, but what I really liked about that, and it wasn't necessarily even, I think, our intention when, when we put it up on stage, was that it showed two people with fiercely opposing views, having a very respectful but robust conversation with yeah. each other and leaving with greater respect for each other, even though they were unchanged in their positions mm. than they had before. And so many of our audience fed back to us the fact that that was the thing that they took away from it. In 2018, um, after kind of, you know, the Western world had kind of edged slightly to the right, you know, become very protectionist over whether it was borders, you know, jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. People very entrenched in positions, um, even many Christians very entrenched in certain yeah. positions, not wanting to really listen carefully to what other people felt, thought, believed, let alone people's lived experiences, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I think it was powerful that that you know even just kind of something that a, a play was able to show would would have yeah, that kind yeah. of effect and so you've you've seen glimpses of that um i'm sure you've got more stories to tell what is it what is that you and um, what is it that you imagine you know 10 years down the track uh do you do this i don't know maybe you don't do this in terms of if you know if clock and spiel has has achieved something of the essence of what you hope it will achieve. What, what does that look like? What do you imagine for your audiences and for the people you work with? Oh, look, I, I really hope we are still doing it in 10 years' time. Um, and I, I guess the overarching hope, and who cares about the details, but is that people through seeing um, our shows would grow personally mm. they might be affected um to and and their views broaden i i really hope that our shows grow empathy in people um that that respectful discussions can be had where you where it's encouraged that you truly listen without agenda um so that's what I that's kind of what my overarching hope is that that our stuff would really do that that people would be changed um, and enriched by seeing the stories that we tell. And that's the that's the beauty I think of what you're doing is you, we can sit here and talk about oh we wish people would uh, listen well and have empathy for one another 
but it's not until you do something like a conversation between Lewis and Freud mm-hmm. where you create something, right, and you, you put it out into the world and, and you model something and people can sit in the audience or through the media or however they access it and watch it unfold that they go, oh, like you said, Yannick, oh, that's, that's something. I've just seen something that is beautiful and something that I want to emulate in my life, right? It's when you create that that it I think you're right because it does you you put human skin on mm. on stories obviously. And I mean even a gesture in theater can, you know, deeply touch someone in the audience mm. for whatever reason. And I think um, it's such a beautiful immediate form that um, I mean what other form gets a whole bunch of people in a room together and something is happening and, you know, unfolding in a live situation in front of you where, you know, anything could happen. And mm-hmm. it's just such a wonderful, magical, powerful medium um, that I, don't, I just don't think there's anything else like it. You can go and see a film in a, in a movie cinema or sit at home and watch Netflix, but you're not getting that human skin yeah. that visceral feeling um that the theater creates and i think also i i hope that our work um provides joy you know that that it is somewhere that could you know fill the tanks for people um and and enrich them in that way as well as you know some of the heavier stuff yeah sure <laughs> It's light and shade. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, It's interesting to pick up on that because we're we're sitting here for many around the world, right in the heart of the COVID pandemic. We feel a bit like maybe we're coming towards the tail end of it a little bit, but um, this idea of humanising things in a world where we're we're seeing massive isolation. Now, I imagine the last year, as you said, for you and for the whole of the theatre industry would have been mm-hmm. like just completely dismantled, right, and can't get together. Um, but there is something distinctive about theatre compared to sort of a digital form of media, right? There's something that humanises the arts in it. I mean, I'm talking, I don't know what I'm talking about really, but I'm just thinking there is something powerful there and is it, have you seen that? There's an element in this current time where we want to rehumanize the arts and relationship through the arts. Well, I think I'll, while you think, you've got, yeah. you've got your thinking yeah, face on. Yeah, I've got my on. thinking face on, my um, hand up to my mouth. Yes, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, look, I think it's, it's a prime example because we're very, very lucky here in, in Sydney, Australia, that we, that theatre has been back for a little while and I think from the shows that I've seen since it's been back on, like there is a buzz and energy in every audience. The theatres are full. Um, The the little show that we did, you know, the people just loved it. And I think it was because we had been separated. We had had that distance and that sense of, yeah, the screen um, as Mm. a barrier. And so I think... I think while it has been a really devastating um, period for many, many companies and artists, I think we'll see a real kind of resurgence or um, um, rebirth <laughs> of energy yeah. in, the, in the sector. Um, yeah, that's my... You've, have, you've, yeah. My, my brain is it. empty. Okay. <laughs> it did not land on anything okay, wise yeah. to contribute. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a really exciting time. Yeah, because wow. because we were without it, now we have it. Yeah. So. Hey, one of the things that always fascinated me about the way you communicate what you do, and I know from working alongside you for a little while, that uh, this is right at the heart of what you're trying to do for both of you as well. We've talked a lot about audience and the creative process, but but to model a different way of working with people through the process of putting on a show and producing a show, it's really close to your hearts. I'm, I'm interested, um, you know, um, both in, in what you're trying to do there, but particularly just to reflect, is there something in, in the way of Jesus um, that really, just one thing that sort of jumps out in terms of the way that you work with people as you're uh, seeking to produce something? Yes, I think it's um, 
you know, I mean, it, by unpacking it, I don't want to sort of say, well, we do this and we do this really well. And that's kind of a bit like Jesus would do um, because that <laughs> completely goes against it. But I think um, what I have been very keen on is, is, is always being honest. So obviously we can't necessarily, um, uh, we, we, we seek to give God the glory. Um, it's difficult in a secular world um, uh, and, and, and we have to be wise, you know, wise as serpents, innocent as doves uh, in the way that we um, talk about ourselves as two Christians who run a theatre company. We never hide it. We're very keen to uh, share faith, um, to uh, uh, recognise and acknowledge God in, in, in what we do. Um, and we try to pray for wisdom to be able to do that in the best way possible. I think in in one thing that I remember is when Haley and I were asked to speak at a creative conference once um, run by Christians, um, it felt a bit icky because it felt about, you know, we, we'd been invited because we'd had, you know, good success with Screwtape. I think it was maybe just before we were doing Freud's last session, so it was two, three years ago. And I just thought, what are we going to stand up and talk about? You know, how, how great we are and sort of, you know, the, 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 the numbers and, you know, how God has blessed everything that we've done. And we're just kind of, you know, looking 10 years into the future and, um, you know, all of the success that will still come. Um, and actually, um, we decided to go down the, the tack of basically talking about um, all of our greatest failures and every single time that we'd hit a roadblock and the way that kind of God had opened the doors. So, for example, um, when we lost a very key member of our crew the night before um, the screw tape letters opened and how God provided really miraculously in, into that space, um, you know, how uh, we realised even, I think I think I can say this on the podcast, um, that um, when we approached the C.S. Lewis foundation to put screw tape on at uh, the first time um we made the big mistake of having Haley had already adapted the play which is apparently a really big no-no you need the rights to even begin the adaptation but thankfully due to uh i think kind of the spirit moving and some very quick talking on my part we managed to kind of get get through that uh little roadblock um and being okay about sort of you know sharing our failures and giving god the glory through that i think uh, as well um you know just being as inclusive as we can be. We want to work with the best people um, who are doing the right jobs. You know, the, 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 the standard of the work, um, the attention to detail, the diligence, um, uh, the we want to do things well uh, is, is really important, but we do want to bring as many people in as, as possible. So we recognize the skills that, that they bring. Um, you know, we really want to, to, to see people as people rather than a resource. Yeah. So, you know, um, paying people is a really, really high priority, um, adding value in any way, shape or form uh, to their experience. And, you know, because we believe that people are made in the image of God and, 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 and therefore we want to treat them with that, that real respect. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think those are some. Those are some of the ways. Pretty significant, right? I mean, across all sorts of different industries and sectors. But the little bit that I've heard from from both of you, um, where there's not a lot of money around the theatre industry, right? Um, it's very dependent on the place of philanthropy. A lot of people want to do it because they're passionate about it and love it. But there, there is. Like maybe not high level slavery, but there's exploitation of people. Absolutely, you're seeing them as a resource to get done what we need to get done, rather yeah. than that humanity. So yeah, the amount of people who get paid in exposure is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I mean that's something that we're very passionate about. It's something that's you know it's hard. Like it's not people. Yeah, we're very passionate about paying people um, as they should be. But, and it's really hard to do that. <laughs> it's really yeah. hard to pay them award rates. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's something we'll ever give up on. We will just, you know, plough on through doing that. I mean, we don't pay ourselves, but... Pay- <laughs> <laughs> so we're just ourselves. Yeah, that's yeah. all right. We don't matter. That's all right. As long as we don't exploit other people. <laughs> yeah. well. um, tell me about eternity. 
Are we allowed to talk about that yet? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that is, uh, I think, I don't, I don't know when this podcast will be up and running, uh, but at time of uh, speaking, um, that, is a, a, that is a project which is really forcing us to be incredibly dependent. Again, like we, we kind of like hit a wall and then we have no idea whether it's going around it, scaling it, um, just kind of like turning in another direction it completely. But um, uh, to give you some of the the, the, the backstory, um, Haley uh, and I, and also uh, the project manager that we've taken on board for the show, were each the three of us handed a copy of Mister Eternity: The Life of Arthur Stace um, by Roy Williams and Elizabeth Mize, which has been published by the Bible Society back in 2018. And late 2018, each of the three of us were handed a copy of that book within about a week of each other. And by three separate people. By three separate people. And uh, when I was sitting uh, in a sermon at church where the book was mentioned, I had suddenly had a flash that this would be a great work to have performed the story of Arthur Stace in the Burton Street Tabernacle in Darlinghurst, which is now known as the Eternity Playhouse, where he heard the sermon, The Echoes of Eternity, which as a relatively new Christian um, inspired him to reach into his pocket where he found a piece of chalk and start scribing the word eternity in a perfect copper plate uh, around the pavements and, and, and walls of Sydney uh, in chalk um, for 30 years before his identity was discovered. And and I texted Haley during the church service, and um, and then she said, "Yeah, I've been handed that that book as well." And that was over two years ago. Obviously, there's been a pandemic in between. We got the rights to perform uh, the work. We still don't know um, whether the theatre where we'd love to perform it, the Eternity Playhouse, would be on board or not. Um, so we're still sort of praying and kind of diligently working to to to, to make that a reality. Since um, the end of 2018, uh, beginning of this year, beginning of 2021, we ran a creative development with seven key creatives uh, to, to really work out whether there was a story. Arthur's story is fantastic. A man who was absolutely faithful, also very creative. I mean, that eternity um, script, um, that, that copper plate is absolutely beautiful and everywhere that it was replicated, it, it had that same real attention to detail. It wasn't just scribbled, it was beautifully, um, uh, artfully conceived and executed. And um, yeah, so so we, we were trying to work out whether his story, which is, is fascinating, but was it theatrical? Could we really make it appeal to the here and now? Could we find different levels that connect to Australia's history? the idea of eternity, what that means and where it takes us going forward rather than just being a simple retelling of his uh, life. And with the seven people that we got on board, we got very excited. There definitely is a story there, but there is a mountain to climb in terms yeah. of getting funding. There's a mountain to climb in terms of getting what is really kind of, you know, a secular venue um, concentrated on kind of um, inclusivity and diversity as culture, you know, secular culture understands those words. Um, uh, will there be room for a, a show which um, has at its heart an unapologetic gospel message? Um, and um, and if so, how, how do we push forward to the next stage? So stage one, which was kind of the first creative development to see whether there was a story that could map to a theatrical pr presentation. Um, yep, that's done. Big tick there. Now we need to sort of develop that into a script um, and then devise it with a group of actors. And then next year, so 2022, would be the 90th anniversary of Eternity first appearing in Chalk on the streets of Sydney. That's the year where we would love to perform this work at the uh, Eternity Playhouse. But there are a lot of things that need to fall into line there. And again, I think it's that idea of agency twinned with dependence. Yeah, we really need to keep putting one foot in front of the other. We yeah. don't have any time to sort of just sit back and go, ah, oh, God, we'll do that. Um, but at the same time, you know, we are really dependent, you know, on 
prayer. <laughs> um, yeah. We're dependent on kind of the uh, generosity and permissions of others as well, and um, and we need to we need to balance the, those two things well as we progress forwards because. You know, it's a, a time-sensitive yeah. project. Yeah. It's a great, I mean, it's a great example of what, trying to unpack what faithfulness looks like, right? You know, as you say, you kind of, there's always this wrestle in our lives of, oh, you know, we want to be dependent on a God who provides. But, okay, we've got to take action and we've got to move forward. And that's, that's faithfulness. It be, can be hard to explain faithfulness theoretically, but... You know, you've just given an example, Yannick, of what it looks like, right? Well, there's this something that we think God's put in, in front of us and we can see it unfolding. We're not sure where it's going to go, but we're going to keep stepping in the present day, a day at a time. It's totally the how do you eat an elephant theory, yeah. <laughs> one bite at a time. Yeah. Like that's honestly, and this is so, I feel like this is so beyond my, in many aspects, my skill set. Um but, like, and I think that's almost, when it gets to that point, it's almost a gift in terms of faith because you're like, well, I, I actually can't do this. So if you'd like this to happen, God, then you'll need to step in and provide um, what we need to do this. So um, it's almost freeing, <laughs> I think, yeah. um, in that I can't actually control many of the aspects of this and I feel completely unqualified in, in many aspects. So. God, if, if, you know, if I'm faithful with what's in front of me now and I do that, then I trust you that you will, you know, you'll honour those steps. And we can, I think we're so, in our culture, so goal-oriented. Success is future-focused, right? Well, success will be whether, it, whether or not you pull off eternity at the playhouse yeah. with sold-out crowds. Financial, financially viable, right? That's to me great. That'd be exciting. You're all nodding, nodding your heads, <laughs> but I just want to say, and you know, to to you two and anyone listening, that I, I think I think as we look at kind of God's way and God's economy and and what we see in Scripture, what we're called to is that freedom to just take the step today and leave the kind of results and the success in God's hand. You know, it's been something it's really that's good. been yeah really. On, on my mind in, in various aspects of my life, but very specifically um, with Glockenspiel. Many times I think that as human beings, even as Christians who are on a, an evangelistic mission, we see, you know, the past is not as good as it ought to be. The future, and, 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 and we see the future as where, where, you know, all of God's blessing will come mm -hmm. through the work that we do. And we sort of see the present moment as a vehicle to get to the future to redeem the past. And and I don't I I have often thought like that, but I actually think that it is about it is about the here and now. It is about being faithful in the moment. So, you know, um I, I also see kind of our work of evangelism, which is a call to all believers, you know, you can see it in the terms of a battle. We're in the trenches, we need to go out on a uh, a rescue mission um, in a hostile world um, and sort of get scalps for the gospel. And I, I, don't, I don't think that is wrong at all. I think, you know, there is a sense of urgency. But again, kind of going back to the example with Solomon and uh, the, the, the temple, you know, God, God, God does that in, in multifaceted ways. Yeah. There's also a call to kind of, you know, be still, know that he is God, um, you know, take those faithful steps, um, you know, apply diligence um, take time, um, reflect, um, and, and, and build in the very specific ways that he allows. And that, that means kind of being focused in the present moment, um, and trusting that what will happen in the future will be absolutely what, what, what God intends and better than anything that, you know, we could potentially imagine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, at the moment, I definitely sort of feel in my, my own, walk um but also for us as clock and spiel there's a sense of having to kind of stay you know very much moment by moment and, and and see what god god provides and just take those steps as he makes it 
clear. I love just even watching the two of you as we talk, right? It's this is this is life in Technicolor, right? You know, it's you know, there's this, this spark in your eyes about the possibilities of this thing, but there's also I think that's fear, John. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, just abject fear. <laughs> Haley just putting her head in her hands. It's like, oh my goodness, what's this? What are we going to do? How's this going to work? It's way too that's, big. That's that's the beauty. That's the kind of yeah. That's the Technicolor life following Jesus, I think. Hey, um, we'd love to. I'd love to kind of as we start to come into land. Just uh, one of the things that we're really focused on uh, through this podcast, our broader work at Seed, is is how do we how do we not only um, as people of faith in Jesus you know, effectively engage in the public space, which I just want to celebrate what you're doing. <laughs> But our question is, how do we form and grow and enable people to do that effectively, right? What are the things that we can do as the people of God to, to kind of really enable and form and support um, people who are doing it? So I'm, I'm interested to hear from you. As you reflect back on the journey up until this point, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I know you wouldn't say that we're doing it perfectly, but, uh, but you're doing something that is... is uh, takes courage that involves stepping out beyond what is ordinary and normal and and as you say we're being um, willing and seeking to be wise with the expression of our faith um, what's what's one thing from your history that's been really formative for you in in enabling you to get to this point um, I think for me one of the big things for me personally in being able to, you know, be really a challenge to be brave. And that was about probably about eight years ago. Um, I've always had a bit of imposter syndrome and really kind of been quite a, um, you know, fearful person. So I'm not good enough, I'm not creative enough, um, not smart enough, whatever it is, I'm not enough to do this thing. And I think I was really challenged by that um, because basically I had a really skewed view of myself and I was taking my cues from what I thought um, thought of myself and what other people, what I thought other people thought of me. <laughs> um, and really once I started to shift that and really understand God's view of me, I really, it, it I realized that I was making it all about me. And, and if I really understood God's, um, how God sees me, my value, my identity and my purpose, yeah. if I really understood that, then that would bring great freedom, great boldness, not, not, um, not arrogance, but um, bravery. And to be able to go, you know what, this is in front of me. It's, I don't think it's a mistake <laughs> that I love doing this and that this opportunity is in front of me and that I, actually from a world point of view I do have the skills to do it. So just do it. <laughs> so I think that that was really significant for me, that, that piece about understanding how God sees me and that bringing me great kind of bravery, I guess. And... Um, and just saying yes to things, I think, rather than for me, like even something like this today, um, I don't really, you know, like speaking, as Yannick knows. Um, <laughs> that time we had to speak at that conference, I was terrified. The, um, that pitch I did for that you saw, John, that was terrifying. I basically like sweated for eight hours that day <laughs> waiting. To, I was so, so terrified. <laughs> But I think just saying yes um, and having that context of, of um, knowing who I am in God, um, then when you do say yes and you do, you know, get to the end of whatever it is that you've, you've been asked to do, that's when the most significant personal growth um, and, and career growth has happened for me. So that's beautiful. Identity, I mean. purpose, value. Yeah. I think uh, we, you know, we talk a lot about identity because you know, what I hear there and I guess something I'm passionate about is this sense that it's not until we understand that, um, that our identity is 
you know, given to us by the one who created us, but then designated by God's grace on us, that we're then free to actually step into the world and humbly serve, right? Yeah. Uh, get rid of the narratives and the baggage of all of our self-talk, but say, oh, this is who God says I am and, and I'm free to go and serve. Yeah, that's beautiful. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> just thinking about how to answer the question um i have been thinking a bit recently about you know how nothing is wasted um you know if if it's done um if it's done for god's glory you know uh, it, it nothing nothing is wasted um so you know Haley talking about saying yes to to things i mean recently we sort of met up with somebody that needed our help and it was really inconvenient to be honest for both of us Haley had to come sort of all the way into the city i had uh, uh, quite a few other things to do i didn't have time to see what you'll be saying about me next week (laughs) (laughs) nothing's wasted john nothing um but but i i've seen that and and i and i think sort of in terms of you know um there, there are lots of times where I will, especially with the projects we have on at the moment, go, oh dear, how, you know, is this really, uh, is this really God's plan? But I, I've seen time and time again that he's sort of provided in, in the weirdest ways where, mm. you know, there's been a step out in faith. Even the way that I came to meet Haley, I, you know, that, that year sort of I'd, I'd prayed about it. I said I'd, I'd say yes to opportunities as they came up as long as they were, you know, in line with where I felt God wanted me to go and didn't conflict with that in any way. And there was a project which, you know, was going to see me kind of driving 200 k's out of Sydney for what was a four-hour shoot, you know, working for I think only about 50 bucks. <laughs> didn't even cover the petrol of the car hire because I didn't have a car at the time. Um, and on that, I met um, uh, somebody who was the first assistant director who ended up being the director of the play, The God of Carnage, that Haley and I were in. Um, and, you know, through through that play as well, somebody saw me and that gave me an opportunity to sort of pick up some other regular work which financed me in a way then to be able to kind of take the risk with Clock and Spill. And actually, it's quite easy to get um, focused in on what you're doing now and forget God's many, many blessings mm-hmm. bef- beforehand. But even in the simple things, you know, um, uh, if and when done for God's glory or seen as part of, you know, his overarching plan uh, f- for our lives, God's always provided and always been faithful. And I think, you know, having even moments like this to kind of remember some of those stories is really, really important yeah. to kind of keep driving forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me finish with that question. What, because uh, just because I'm fascinated about it, but for each of you, what what is one of you probably can't name one, but what's one of the favourite moments along the journey? stands out for you I just think of all the funny things where we don't know what we're doing and we like and (laughs) like that time we for the screw tape letters we decided to do this um you know video promo video like we didn't have many resources so I think I had um my boy was like (laughs) I don't know six months old and we're doing it in my garage um we got like this camera that we borrowed off my husband and Yannick's trying to perform with like the pipe, the this the like toilet pipes above his head, and then like I've got my son in a high chair inside the garage on the other side of the door, like chucking bits of food at him so he'll be quiet while, <laughs> while Yannick tries to perform this very dramatic thing. It's like <laughs> I love those moments of realness where it's like this is two people who you know love doing this and get along really well and we're just like just have a crack you know yeah. we're just those are my favorite moments where we can just laugh about how unqualified we are and you know it's i i love that yeah yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> i i there are there are quite a few moments like that i guess one sort of more serious one and then um one less less so <laughs> um i i really like the fact that I, I would tie myself up in not sometimes kind of going, are we actually hitting the things that we say are our vision, you know, re- or, or are we kidding ourselves? You know, we say that we we want to be truly human in the process and the product, you know. Uh, I mean, should we be seeing people kind of come up 
after a show kind of going, gosh, you know, I was really touched by that and you guys are putting something really different on, you know, how can I find out more about Christianity? And that hasn't happened. I'll be honest, it hasn't happened. We've had some fairly kind of robust um, discussions. The Q&A that we had after Freud's, actually that was quite funny, where basically, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we, we had planned it. We had a panel of kind of, you know, expert Christians and kind of, you know, most of the cast and crew bar one uh, were, were Christians and we sort of started the Q&A. Uh, and obviously kind of discussions about um, Freud wanting to end his life had come up in, in the show. And the first woman that gets up goes, OK, so uh, I can see that most of the panel here are Christians. Now, when I was younger, Christians were the ones influencing policy to say that I couldn't decide whether I would or wouldn't have the child I was carrying. And now that I'm in my 70s, it's Christians also trying to influence when uh, I can choose to end or not end my life. What do you guys have to say about that? <laughs> and I looked at Haley going, I think we should have planned this a little bit better and praise God. Um, somebody, what's the name of the guy who was on the Sam, Sam who Samuel. was on the yeah. on the panel, amazing, expertly answered that question, and then thankfully all of the others were were okay. <laughs> but um, so, so that is a funny example. But um, but yeah, I, I've been really thankful that in each show that we've done, because we work again with the people that you know are really right for the roles, not to be exclusive, but just to make sure that we are really kind of being diligent in pre presenting the best work that we can. But recently, um, we have had kind of a couple of people working with us on the Mr. Eternity development who've wanted to know more about what, not only what motivated Arthur Stace, but what motivates us and why, you know, we would, why we would sort of be looking not only to, I guess, kind of glorify ourselves in the process, although that, you know, continues to be a human battle. Um, but, but yeah, why we would sort of not necessarily be looking just to make this a kind of big old money maker, why we wouldn't be looking to kind of, you know, just partner with the people that might be able to get us in the right, right space, why we're so keen, um, you know, on, on this message. Um, and I've been really thankful, like, you know, that, that there have been some quite deep conversations about, about faith, some, some gospel-centred conversations that have happened with individuals that we've been able to work with because it is about building real relationships. Mm -hmm. And I guess the, to take it then to the other thing that I, I've really enjoyed, I've just really enjoyed being able to... It's going to be a like loving now, but basically, uh, I've really no, I've really enjoyed like working with uh, with somebody that does share my values. You know, I think it's um, you know any kind of business partnership is is a really uh, tricky thing. Um, you know, you've got different personalities, you've got different sort of external events that happen in life, and it's been a real blessing to be able to do that. Uh, we were able to kind of. Uh, uh, cut loose once when we presented something for a festival Bondi feast where um, Haley and I played um, a husband and wife in this very odd show called Mr. Foot, <laughs> where, where uh, basically at the end, uh, Haley's character ended up speaking to my character, but not actually me, um, me, my foot kind of in puppet form, uh, communicating with her about the deep things of life. Um, and um, it was just a real joy because it was quite odd actually that play to be able to work with somebody that I knew and trusted very, very well. Um, and and have a lot of fun as mm. well kind of like you know presenting something that was frivolous but at the same time quite poignant quite poignant mm. yes well I, I, I've loved this conversation because um, I, know, I know that there along the way there have been struggles as well and you know it's it's hard to run a theatre company and keep a theatre company sustainable and viable and you have all these aspirations and then you have reality and brick walls that you've talked about and so I want to honour your faithfulness in doing that but also just it's a beautiful conversation for me and it's been so easy because I think you two are sitting where we need to sit as followers of Jesus in that space where our faith meets with culture and that's where faith comes alive. 
that's where the big questions are asked. That's where the wrestles and the tensions of the reality of working out our faith in God's world are. And so we, we'll continue to pray for you and we'll continue to follow you and we'll continue to point people towards your shows because we think what you're doing is just fantastic. So thanks for coming and speaking to us today. Oh, thank you thank so you. much. Thanks for listening. For more information about Seed, head to seed.org.au.